0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The numbers are in for Detroit's Q-Line streetcar one year into its operations, and they are not good. The streetcar operated by M1 Rail expected ridership to be between five and 8,000 people per day, but it's been more like Half of that. Q Line has been marketed as a symbol of Detroit's turnaround, but it's also been emblematic of other things, including this region's failure to invest in real transit and the stark economic divisions that exist within our city and our region. So, what did we really expect the Q Line to achieve on its own in just 12 months? Other new streetcar systems all over the country have apparently had similar results. Do these numbers tell us anything about the virtues? of those streetcars in general. What can we learn from what's going on here? And can they serve as a guide for where we ought to be going in terms of transit or economic policy in the region? We're going to spend the rest of the time today talking about the Q line, its performance, and how it fits into the context of the discussion about transit here in Metro Detroit. And joining me to help do that is Chastity Pratt-Dossie, a reporter for Bridge Magazine. She authored an article this week titled, One year in, Detroit's Q line is falling well short of expectations. Also here is Laura Bliss. She's a staff writer at CityLab and covers transportation infrastructure and the environment. She authored an article in CityLab in September titled Enough with the Streetcars Already, which looks specifically at the Q line here in Detroit. Laura and Chastity, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Hello, Detroit.
2: Thanks so much for having
0: us. Yes. Uh, so, Chastity, I'm going to start with you. Uh, let's talk about these numbers. Uh, the first year numbers—they're not good. Uh, and and tell us what, uh, just sort of how stark they are. But then also what the response is from the folks who run the queue line as to why the numbers are low and what they expect. In year two or year five,
1: right? So, uh, last May, when the Q line hit the tracks, the projection was that it would reach ridership of about five thousand on you know regular days and eight thousand on days where there's a whole lot of stuff going mm-hmm. on downtown. And if it had reached those numbers, it essentially would have been the second most popular streetcar in the nation. So these were really high expectations and some experts said they were probably too ambitious um, because the Q line is not publicly supported and it's not free. Mm-hmm. Those that are doing really well are doing, you know, those kinds of numbers are free and publicly supported Nars. Our our queue line is not so it was really ambitious from the start and what we saw for the first few months is ridership was you know it was okay but it was free during those first few months um, remember and people were excited and people were excited it was a novelty it was yay right. look at this shiny red train going down Woodward let's you know take it you know mm-hmm. somewhere along these 3.3 miles and so um then you you re- you remember there was a time where it was free and then they said okay let's make it free a little bit longer and they got some more um grant money to make that the case and then when the free ride was over after labor day you saw the numbers drop precipitously by yeah. about 40% and then when it got cold and they had to deal with the opening of the LCA arena that fall uh the the troubles just started piling up along the tracks and stopping it you saw 267 stoppages. That's more than, what, five a week. And and it became an issue where people said, I, it's taking too long. Where's the queue line? You, you look up on the, the screen and it <laughs> says five minutes, it'll be here, and then and 5, 10, 15. 20
0: minutes later. Right,
1: because the queue line is stuck behind a parked car. Yeah, <laughs> so right. um, those problems really slowed it down in four or five months out of the year. They were only getting about 2,700, probably less than that. That's an average. You know, average in with a good month. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so it was... Uh, for five months of the year, making half the ridership they expected. And then, you know, the thing they're saying is, okay, April, this past April, we had better numbers. It went and back up a little. It went back up a little. And, and that's because the city, um, the city of Detroit, Michigan Department of, of Transportation and the Q line and LCA have all been working together to try and clear the path for the, the, um, for the Q line. And so they said, well, well, April was good. We've worked out some of the kinks. And hopefully that means in year two, Things will be better.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see, right? Uh you know, I, I have said from the beginning that this didn't make sense to do without clearing traffic off of Woodward Avenue south of the stadiums. So I just would would block the whole street and just have the trains go up and down because that's the those that's the stretch where you really see a lot of these these problems i don't know how you have the train coexist with cars right it doesn't that, have its uh, own dedicated lane. it doesn't have its own dedicated lane and people got to negotiate around it i don't know that people are going to learn to do that but you know anytime i suggest that in public you know i get these very strange looks from people who say oh my gosh how could you how could you have no cars on on Woodward uh, for, for that. Or in a lane long of traffic. Of stretch, well, right. I mean,
1: the thing is, people are also saying, why blame the drivers? It's the queue the line was poorly designed and, you know, public information and education, went, all this, all this, all that, right? Uh, the, the, the long and short of it is it's 3.3 3 miles. It goes through um, a, a area where there is, at times, some heavy traffic. Yeah. And um, it, it only goes 30 miles per hour. Um, when, uh, the bottom line, though, is this was not designed to be, you know, something that, takes people to work every day. Right. It was, you know, it's it's in the gentrified area. It's a novel. <laughs> it's yeah. in a gentrified area. And only to the degree that people who work in Wayne State or downtown, um, you know, would that be something they use every day. There's a parking right right in, in Wayne mm-hmm. State. I took a picture of it. There's eight cars there, uh, you know, in the middle <laughs> of the day. So people aren't really using it as a functional commuter. I need to get on this everyday mode of transportation. And so that's part of the reason also the ridership is not up. It's, it's not something people have to use. Sure.
0: Sure. Uh, Laura Bliss of City lab uh, I want to read a, a short passage from uh, the piece that you wrote about uh, streetcars here in Detroit and around the country. Uh, you said, overall, as critics have often pointed out, the record is pretty poor when these projects are judged as transit, which might be the wrong frame. Actual transit riders aren't well served by them, but developers and downtown business boosters tend to be uh, I You know, when we were talking about the Q line here uh, for years, and it took a very long time to get this built and up and running, that was the frame that a lot of people put it in was that, yeah, it doesn't go very far. It's not going to go very fast. It may not be a quantum leap ahead in terms of transit. But, but the stations, uh, the stops along the way, in many cities, tend to serve as catalysts for other kinds of activity, foot traffic uh, and business development. Um, Talk about how what we're seeing here in Detroit sort of fits into the national picture on that account.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, Right. So uh, I was just rereading a report from a couple of years ago that a National Transportation Institute did surveying uh, five or six Streetcar projects in different cities around the country. Um, And almost every one of them, um, and I'll just kind of look back and and let you know what they were, um, actually did start essentially as economic development projects. So Mm -hmm. if we're looking at, you know, um, in Little Rock, Arkansas, right? Tampa, Florida, Memphis, uh, Seattle, Washington. Uh, even Portland, Oregon, um, whose streetcar system is is often kind of pointed to by cities as, as kind of a model for, for what to do. These all started as, um, you know, city leaders, uh, business leaders sitting down around a table and thinking about how to sort of, um, you know, re- regenerate a particular neighborhood. Um, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and, and, and it's possible that in in some instances it, it, it has been successful as, as an economic development tool. Although I think the research is still pretty scant and it's kind of hard to separate out, you know, was it the streetcar, right. That, that led to, um, you know, big, uh, real estate and, uh, commercial development, you know, along these corridors, um, Mm -hmm. Uh, on the other hand, right, we know that public funds are being spent to build these projects, right? Including in in Detroit, I mm-hmm. think the the sum total is something like forty seven million dollars of of local, state, and federal funds. And and, and correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, and so so that's kind of where we get into hairy territory, right? Like, you know, if, if we're trying to use public funds to build a transit project, then you know, you you want to be able to serve the maximum number of people, right? And so you know, many of these streetcar projects, including Detroit, do not connect meaningfully or, or even at all to the larger transit networks. And, and you know, as, as you two were just discussing, right, this really is kind of a a novelty ride. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty unusual, you know, for, for uh, day-to-day commuters to be relying on it. And that makes a lot of sense because it just doesn't really connect. It's not practical.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, so I think that's really where cities get into trouble, and, and then of course there are these other kind of elements to to the projects that often you know make them make them less practical, like like the um, lack of dedicated lanes, right, and, yes. the, and the sort of slow speeds. Um, but but yeah, I think I think there is a sort of tension between <laughs> do, you, do you want to do an economic development project, you know, okay, <laughs> but you know how, how much how many federal do- uh, excuse me, public dollars are we talking about using?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean you you, you did have. Here, that tremendous private investment uh, in the line that c- attracted those federal dollars, the, the, the public money in this project, for the most part, uh, was matching. And so, it, you know, it was hard to say, uh, you know, given that the private money was driving the project, it's hard to tell them what to do or what not to do. Uh, I think, the, you know, the, the bigger question here is always in Detroit, what else are we doing? What How else are we managing transit to be able to get people around, which we do have not done well uh, for about 40 years and the Q line is not right. necessarily a big step forward uh, in that way. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to continue our conversation about the Q line and we are going to get to your calls. No surprise lots of folks want to talk about this. Daniel in Detroit, Tom in Franklin, Lucy in Detroit. We will get to you. Next, stay with us on Detroit today. <laughs> listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My my guests are Chastity Pratt-Dossie. She's a reporter for Bridge Magazine. Wrote an article this week titled, One Year In, Detroit's Q-Line Falling Well Short of Expectations. Also with us is Laura Bliss, a staff writer at CityLab who covers transportation infrastructure and the environment. She wrote an article last September in CityLab titled, Enough! With the streetcars already, which looks specifically at the Q line here in Detroit, we are talking about the Q line one year in, whether it uh, is something that we should be panicked about because it's not panning out quite the way people anticipated. Also talking about how it does or should fit into the larger conversation about transit in our metro area. As always, the number on the phones is 3135771019. That's 3135771019. You can also go to the WDT Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Amanda on Facebook says, nice for a joyride. The Woodward buses fly by you if you would like to get somewhere quicker, though, but I can see how the rail is more appealing to people. Deborah on Facebook says, I knew the queue line was in trouble when during peak times for commuters, there was a car sitting at the start line and a car in the garage. There seemed to be no sense of urgency by the staff. Uh, As always, uh, like I said, go to Facebook, put your comments there. We'll work them in to the conversation. Let's go to Daniel in Detroit. Daniel, welcome to Detroit today.
4: Thank you for having me on again. Sure. Um you know, I own a house on Kirby Street behind the DIA and I don't think anybody was more excited about the Q line than I was. And I got to say it's it's just been a big disappointment. You know, the technology is a 100-year-old technology. My friends say that they can walk faster after you stop for the red lights and stop at all the stations <laughs> that they feel like walking is actually better. Uh, sometimes faster, depending on traffic. And um, I mean, if you look at what's going on around the world, the latest, greatest public transportation is in Dubai right now. They have individual pods that seat about six people, and you can pay for one seat, or you can rent them all if you want the private pod. Hmm. They're electric, they magnetically connect to each other to form a bus, they disconnect automatically when you get to your stop. Hmm. These are the things that we should be doing in Detroit, not installing hundred-year-old technology. <laughs> That's interesting. If, if
1: only
0: we had Dubai money. Yeah, right. <laughs> Daniel, thanks very much for the call. Right. I mean, I mean, I think uh, again, the, the the gap here is is about funding and and prioritization of our leadership in terms of of funding. And the reason that the Q line got built was because. Uh, you know, a bunch of private individuals decided that they wanted this uh, and we still have not gotten our act together to generate the kind of money to talk to, to even talk about the kind of things that you're you're suggesting there, Daniel. I mean, we just uh, we can't do it.
1: But there is a second part of it. Yes, it was to spur and be in, be a part of the whole economic development and gentrification of the midtown downtown area. But it was also, okay, if we build it, regional transit will come. Mm-hmm. And it will connect to something that will go to the airport, that will go out to, you know, Ann Arbor. You can connect the, the light rail train, passenger train <laughs> that's going to go from Ann Arbor to Detroit to this. And boom, 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 it's going to be part of all this um, great regional transit. Well, that's not happening. Well, and then still we voted
0: a... down transit. I yeah. mean, we voted down just a basic transit plan uh, right right before this uh started running. All right? And, so and there's, there's no now money for that. even a debate as to whether
1: the more watered down um, transit plan is going to make it onto the ballot. Yeah. So that that regional transit part, uh, while the Q line is not like a huge conversation piece in that, um, the Q line, they, they really wanted to prove that, you know, we can do something regional here in Detroit. And right connect
0: yeah uh, laura bliss right. talk about other cities and whether they have been able to take something like a short line uh, like the q line and build it into something more comprehensive does that work
2: yeah and, and I, i'll just add to, to what you guys were talking about a second ago um, uh, which is that I think there is this kind of risk when, you know, you, you introduce projects like the Q line um, on, on the one hand. I mean, it's like two sides of the same coin, right? On the one hand, yeah, maybe this can be kind of a catalyst, not only for economic development, but but a kind of, you know, entryway, you know, for folks to get exposed to transit and get excited about it and, mm-hmm. and then maybe, you know, decide to vote on the next um, referendum, right? Which didn't happen, you know, just just a a few weeks before the Q line opened. On the other hand, right when when you look at um, you know ridership numbers like this, and and it is still early. I I, want to be fair to Q line, but you know it it does make it harder to argue for more comprehensive transit packages. Mm -hmm. You know when Mm -hmm. folks look at at numbers like these, so so it is this kind of two sided coin. Um, On on your on your other question, yeah, I mean you know Portland is the kind of shining example um, really. A lone example, in, in some ways, um, hmm. of a streetcar system that yes, and who started pretty small, and, and as, I, as I mentioned, it did actually start as a kind of economic uh, redevelopment uh, catalyst tool. Um, and since then has grown into a pretty comprehensive, um, network of lines that, that reaches, um, you know, from, from more to sort of one end of a, of a, a commercial corridor to, to the other end. To the other. Yeah. Um, I used to live and, in Portland. And it Portland. has really generated numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that connects to
1: other stuff, you know, to try trimet to a bus system that actually means right. something, you know, mm-hmm. so, and it's free. So it is a model and, um, it is publicly supported and, it, it it has so many other things that the queue line has the potential, yeah, the yeah. potential
0: for, but we're definitely not there. Yeah, yeah, right, um, right.
2: And I think the key really is the is the connections.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Daniel, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Lucy in Detroit. Lucy, welcome to Detroit today.
3: Hi, Stephen. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, my I just wanted to say, um, share my experience of riding the Q line. Um, I live in LaSalle Gardens, and the first time I rode it, my husband and I went down to Jazz Fest last year mm-hmm. on Labor Day, and so you can imagine it was a pretty, like, heavily, you know, everyone's going downtown. I think there was also a Tigers game. Um, we got on at the beginning of the line at New Center at the Boulevard, parked our car, which is, like, ridiculous that you have to drive to it to ride it but you know it's like here we are we park we get on there's like no one up at the top of the line it took us i was like well it should take like i was being generous it should take like a half an hour to get downtown Hmm. it's a slow moving train it took us no exaggeration an hour and a half to get to campus marshes wow Wow. I mean, it, it was by the time we got there, my claustrophobic husband was ready to die Oh, me. no.
0: And was it, so, I mean... That was had it, to be a stoppage. Was it <laughs> that because of a stoppage, or was it just because it was mobbed because of the festival? It, I mean, was it just a lot of people on it? It was, like, on?
3: kind of all of it. but It's hmm. like, I guess it was sort of like, you know, if this is really... If people are just riding it for the sake of going to these events and, like, getting downtown for this kind of thing, you know? Like, you don't want to try and find parking downtown. You park in somewhere like New Center where... It's easy to park, yeah. you know, and then you get downtown it's like it just doesn't work because it just takes too long yeah it just it's lucy. like it's worth paying fifteen dollars yeah. to park and get there in ten minutes get
0: there quicker yeah lucy i I really appreciate the call and you're sharing that story I mean that's the you know i I do wonder again whether over time this will sort of sort itself out I mean the people mover is is an example of a of a system that that is very limited in its scope and its range, um, but you know over time has proven itself somewhat useful. Uh, so, uh, so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I would love to get to more calls, of course, but if we are out of time, so Chesty Pratt dossi reporter with Bridge Magazine, and Laura Bliss, staff writer at CityLab. Thanks very much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Anytime. Mm-hmm.
2: Thanks so much for having us.
0: Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber-Davis and Jake Neer. Our program director is Joan Isabella. Technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevathan. And the associate producers are Gus Navarro and Ziad Butch. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobian. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We will see you tomorrow.